The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. Join the discussion at Ping.tv slash gold. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. Welcome to the Dustin Gold Standard. You are listening to pain.tv slash gold. All right, folks, we are here at episode 74, ladies and gentlemen. I just got done texting back and forth feverishly. With Murray Albanese, the co-host of the Thomas Paine Podcast on Fridays, folks. She's got all kinds of intelligence for us. I'm trying to get her on the show soon, whenever she is ready. I told her it doesn't have to be ready for prime time. It could just be ready for the dust and gold standard, folks. And so um, she is working on... Uh, ongoing research into the Patriot Act and into the beginning of building the prison planet under the reign of Dick Cheney. I mean, George W. Bush. And so she just got done listening to episode 73 and saw that I had talked about unitary executive authority. And she said, there's so much you can expand on there. I said, I know, Maria. I have several hours of research into unitary executive authority. Last night, I spent another few hours after I recorded the show. And as I had anticipated and mentioned on the show, unitary executive authority was tested under the Trump administration several times, folks. Uh, It's a big, big, big piece of the puzzle. Now, I'm not going to get into that tonight because it's something that I really want to put uh, a couple of shows together that I think out, I bullet them out because I don't want to just start reading uh, from random articles. I need to really put that together into a timeline and be able to uh, explain that to you in detail as we sit here and unravel the web that is Peter Thiel, the people around him, and this idea of installing a technocratic king. And as we know, Curtis Yarvin has been trying to call for Donald Trump to play the part of the technocratic king, the monarch, in the 2024 elections. All right, so what I'm going to do, folks, I'll just address this right now. Uh, But again, I don't like to cover breaking news. Uh, But as you know, obviously, Musk takes over Twitter. He's fired top executives now. Coming out of this, we see that Jack Torsey, former CEO of Twitter, is launching a social media company called Blue Sky. Just so you guys know this, Blue Sky was actually funded by Twitter. Now, I'm not going to get into all the politics of this, the back and forth. Let's wait until the dust settles to talk about this and figure out how it fits into the bigger plan. Uh, My guess is it's really about getting a hold of data. I know that Musk is not looking to protect my freedom of speech, your freedom of speech, 
He is not about that at all, folks. We know that to be true. Uh, This may be the very beginning of testing out the idea of some sort of biometric data, the idea of creating some sort of uh, universal login or password. I just read briefly about Jack Dorsey's Blue Sky. There's some information out there that it's not going to be run on blockchain, but it's going to be run on a a federated uh, system and all this other stuff that then will allow you to have one login uh, and one password across all the various applications that come out of it. That's very much like the ideas behind the metaverse. I I just spent about an hour doing some research today. I don't want to get into that right now. It's stuff that I would have to spend a few hours to really understand the tech behind it and what they're doing. But this all is going to have to do with I don't know, providing a thumbprint, your ID, something like that to get into Twitter. And they're going to verify that people are humans in order to get rid of the bots. When I've explained to you before, they can get rid of the bots very easily if they wanted to. But the bots are just there, and the narrative is being set with the bots to end up forcing us into a tunnel in which we're going to have to give up some sort of biometrics to be able to utilize the Internet in the end. That's what's happening, folks. I mean, it's pretty obvious uh, with everything that has come out of Musk's mouth, all the new technologies being developed, you know, Web3, then Jack Dorsey said they're building their uh, blue sky on Web5. But uh, this is something that is important because it ties into what we're talking about right now. Eventually, I will get to all that. But again, let, let the dust settle and then I'll do my research and I'll come on here and we'll talk about it from the tech standpoint and how it advances uh, technocratic transhumanism. But this is an article. This is printed pretty much everywhere. I just pulled it up on economictimes.indiatimes.com, but it's in the Wall Street Journal and other places. I just wanted to show you this because it's important. This is something I've been looking at for a couple of weeks now. But as this article says right here, and I apologize, there's an ad that is running along the side. Those of you on the video side at pain.tv slash gold can see this, but it says, according to a detailed report in the Wall Street Journal, Twitter co-founder and former CEO Jack Dorsey whispered in Elon Musk's ear that the social media network should be a private company, and his other billionaire friends pushed him to pursue the takeover offer that he eventually completed. It said, uh, others, according to Wall Street Journal, encourage must Twitter interest behind the scenes, particularly those who were dissatisfied with the content filtering judgments at the microblogging site. This group includes the so-called PayPal Mafia, former PayPal founders and executives such as Musk, Peter Thiel, Reid Hoffman, uh, Roloff Batha, Max Levchin. Along with them, others who agree with Musk's strong anti-censorship beliefs, which they say run opposed to Twitter's current management style, also supported the takeover. So I was doing some additional reading on this today, and it does appear that Peter Thiel, the former head, the Don of the PayPal Mafia, of which uh, Musk was part of, where he made his original fortune, All these new technocrats basically grew out of PayPal, which was the first iteration of, uh, you know, cyber digital currency, getting people to start adopt the idea of 
digital currency. So Peter Thiel was behind the push. I found this widely reported, uh, advising Musk on the takeover of Twitter. And so now you see it looks like Jack Dorsey has this competitor, Blue Sky, that's going to come out. But again, Twitter founded it. And at the same time, Jack Dorsey was pushing Musk to take over Twitter. So it's an entangled web of technocrats, folks. But there you go. You got Peter Thiel behind this. And we're going to talk more about Thiel and Curtis Yarvin tonight. I'm going to try to wrap up on Yarvin for you. But I do do need to bring some additional Peter Thiel evidence to the table, folks. And as you know, we covered Thiel in multiple episodes. And then the last few episodes, we brought him back into the mix. And that is because... During my research here, a lot of stuff that I do, that I take notes on, that I'm not doing shows on yet, Peter Thiel is coming up everywhere, folks, everywhere. He is super important. I'd love to know who is behind Peter Thiel. If anybody can answer that question, I'd love to bring you on the show. But let me just just show you this. This is an article from April 2015 on Medium.com. And the title is, Peter Thiel says America is a technocracy, not a democracy. And then it shows this graph that proves his point. And this is historical ratio of local to federal U.S. government spending versus voter turnout. Negative spending means local spent more than federal. And so there's this chart here. You can look at it. Google this uh, article if you want to see it for yourself. But the point here is that Thiel has come out and actually said this, going back to at least 2015. He has said, America is a technocracy, not a democracy. And again, he uses his forked tongue to sometimes pretend that he is against the idea of Silicon Valley running the country. But then he is actually part of investing in all these companies that run the country under a technocracy you see he's like elon musk talking about ai ai is very dangerous it's going to destroy humanity so what am i going to do i'm going to invest in everything ai and putting brain chips inside people's heads by the way somebody sent me a video of david ike doing a seven minute routine a couple of weeks ago on elon musk now i don't know if that was the original published date, somebody let me know who's a fan of David Icke. But if David Icke is just now talking about these things, uh, I wonder if he's been listening to the show because we dissected Neuralink and Elon Musk, I don't know, what was that, a month and a half ago? And now Ike does a seven-minute summary, which is basically taking everything from the show. I actually heard him using uh some of the bumper sticker slogan language that i've come up with so i don't know i mean it's good if it's out there somebody recommended i get david ike on the show the only the only reason i get nervous about that is because ike is like the alex jones of the uk and i i just don't know if it ends up tarnishing this show i'm trying to i'm trying to Basically, look, I used to manage comedians, okay? So I used to manage artist brands. So I know how important brands are. And because I am trying to be 100% transparent with everything I'm doing, uh, who I am, my background, I just don't want to end up tarnishing my brand 
by bringing someone on that's going to end up being able to allow others to discredit me or discredit the show or discredit the work that we're doing or discredit the audience here. So I'm very protective on how, um, on how I'm going to deal with that. But I don't know. Send me your opinions and any of the links, the contact links in the description of this episode. And let me know your thoughts on David Icke. I, I, I know who he is. I've f- watched some of his stuff over the last 10 years. I don't follow him religiously. So just let me know your thoughts. I, I mean, I'm open to it if you guys think it's okay. All right. It says right here in this Medium article, PayPal billionaire and Republican Party unicorn Peter Thiel took the stage in Washington, D.C. Remember, this is back in 2015, to argue that America is not a democracy. Quote, calling our society a democracy is very misleading, end quote, said Thiel at George Mason University. Quote, we're not a republic. We're not a constitutional republic. We live in a state that's dominated by these technocratic agencies, end quote. Okay, so back in 2015, he made an admission, right? He said, we are not a republic. We are not a constitutional republic. We live in a state that's dominated by these technocratic agencies. Well, of course, Peter, you've been helping build it. You've been helping build it, and you continue to. It just seems like right now the push is going to be to fully concentrate power under the technocracy. And I think the goal is to remove the illusion uh, of the republic. And we're close to that, folks. I mean, how many people even know what a constitutional republic is? How many people do you hear talking about it anymore? Uh, When the conservatives talk about making changes, do they talk about restoring the republic anymore? So the idea, I think, is going to be to remove the illusion of the republic and allow the transparency of the technocratic regime. I think that is where we are headed. It says right here, and Thiel's view, the massive hodgepodge of federal agencies, unelected judicial appointments, and miscellaneous public employees have stolen governing authority away from citizens and their representatives. In other words, a technocratic elite or career bureaucrats and appointed experts run the country. And you guys are well aware of this. You understand this because we spent time in the last several episodes talking about the history of the technocracy going back to 1919, uh, understanding the sort of the different factions, different elements. But you have a solid understanding of what the technocracy is. And so, in 2015, Thiel is actually admitting this, right? He's admitting this. Now, is he warning people? Is he saying, we need to overthrow the technocracy and restore the republic? Is he saying, I'm going to stop investing in these companies? I made a mistake. I didn't realize what I was doing. Is he saying this? No, this is not what he is saying, folks. And it's definitely not what he's saying through his actions, which are building up the technocracy and investing in people like Curtis Yarvin that are calling for the overthrow of the Constitutional Republic by a dictatorial technocratic monarch, a king, folks, a techno king ladies and gentlemen i'll be right back think about that a techno king i'll be right back right after this break right here on pain.tv slash gold my name is dustin gold and this is the dustin gold standard 
You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Join the discussion at Payne.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, we are here at the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv slash gold, and I am Dustin Gold. The rise of the techno king, ladies and gentlemen. Techno-fascism coming to your front door, ladies and gentlemen. Amazing. We spent like 70 episodes going through the transhumanists, going through technocracy, all of these Frankenstein doctors, these mad scientists, these uh, crazy lunatics who want to upload their consciousness to the cloud and download it into biological babies grown in synthetic wombs or non-biological nanobot Iron Man suits. I mean, come on, folks. And now this is what is happening on the political front right in front of us as they try to push themselves fully into power. Let's just continue with this because it's important for you to understand that in 2015, Peter Thiel came right out and said this. We are not a republic. We are not a constitutional republic. We are a technocracy. He's also told you that transhumanism and Christianity are similar because they both offer eternal life, right? I mean, these are the things he said. He has said that singularity, the merger of man and machine, the point in which artificial intelligence becomes smarter than humans, forcing humans to have to merge with machine, will either bring a boom of investment opportunities or a boom that will destroy the world. He says this stuff, not warning, folks, just like Musk. He's not warning. He is telling you. He is dictating to you how it is and what they are doing. It goes on to say that's not entirely off the mark. In the 1880s, nearly every American voted in presidential elections, and many were involved in everyday civic affairs. But as American historian Mark Lawrence Cornblah Explained in the wonderfully informative book, Why America Stopped Voting, civic participation trailed off as federal agencies crowded out local representatives. Folks, and this is, I mean, how long have conservatives, traditional conservatives, been saying this? And now they don't anymore because that movement is dead, because it's been replaced by the new right, a circus full of uh, nipple tassel gays and trannies on skateboards. I mean, that that's what it's been replaced with. That is the new right. Conservatism is gone. And so they were saying for a long time that charity ended. Uh, civic, um, civic charity uh, ended. Volunteerism ended because the federal government got involved and took over everything down to the last little... Uh, Food closet, the last soup kitchen run by churches. It goes on to say the nation got bigger, trade increased between states, and in order to manage the chaos, the federal government stepped in. At the same time, the one party and often corrupt local political machine that handled much of the governing was replaced by big agencies, right? Even more corruption. 
even more corruption. It goes on to say, quote, the needs of this burgeoning republic were growing too technical for political hacks to handle them and too diverse for grassroots democracy to meet them all, end quote, summarized historian Mark Summers. And you don't think that this was not done intentionally? to destroy local government and to replace it with centralized federal government and what does peter feels little boy curtis yarvin call for folks ending local and state governments altogether concentrating the local police under a centralized federal dictator So what these people complain about is exactly what they are part of creating. It goes on to say, so voting tanked, dropping from 80% turnout to 50% in only a few presidential cycles. Around the same time, state and federal spending started to overtake local spending as the growing ranks of technocrats took power from the Treasury to education. 100%, folks. State and federal spending started to overtake local. And then the federal government used the federal highway funds to bribe the states. So they would take tax dollars from the states and then say, we'll give it back to you if you do X, Y, and Z. So we will give you $1 billion a year, $2 billion a year, whatever it may be for the federal highway funds if you enact Common Core in the schools. And if you don't do that, you won't get the federal highway funds. And then what they would do coming out of the national parties is if a particular person, let's say it was me, was running for governor, I don't know, right here in Maryland, and I was saying, we're going to tell the federal government, screw you, we don't want the federal highway funds, we're not enacting Common Core, they would run a campaign saying, I wasn't looking out for my constituents because I wouldn't take the $2 billion from the federal government. And this is the same way it works with our individual personal taxes, folks. They take your money at gunpoint. All right. You go out there and you work. Your money are food coupons. They are credits that you get based on the labor, you know, or the product or service that you sell. And so they take a percentage of that at gunpoint, and then they tell you if you do X, Y, and Z, they will give you your money back in the form of credits and such. This is how you socially engineer a society at gunpoint. Goes on to say, so, is America still a, quote, democracy? Question mark. End quote. Depends on how you define the term. Technically speaking, there is only one democracy on Earth, Switzerland, where nearly every major law is put up for a direct vote and local communities control most government resources. In practice, Thiel may have a point. Experts do have more power day-to-day than citizens or their representatives, but with 300 million people and a trillion-dollar budget, it's hard to understand how it could be different, right? And this is the point that I have made time and time again when we talk about restoring America or restoring the republic. The issue is that restoring what America? That's the question, restoring what America? And I know this is confusing now because I don't have a solution to all of this, folks. But uh, restoring what America? When we were founded, we were 13 colonies. Uh, We had two and a half million people. Only 500,000 actually voted. Uh, They were really the the land-owning men, white men. Um, And so 
now we are, you know, 2,000 or 3,000 miles wide. We have 700, what, 900 military bases worldwide, 370 million people of territories all over the place. We're basically a giant empire. So what are we restoring? When are we making America great again? What are we bringing it back to? And so what you're going to see now being pushed out of the technocrats, out of the theolites, the theolists, are that they want to tear down the entire system. They don't want to restore a republic. They don't want to turn power back to the localities. They want to concentrate it under their techno-king. All right? So this is important to understand because Thiel is making the case, yet it was his type of people that actually created the problems. Problem, reaction, solution. And, And what I see shaping up, folks... It's not like I've read this anywhere. This is just coming out of my mind. But I see a scenario in which you have this one giant problem that the government is corrupt. It can't be managed. It's too big. We're not a democracy. We're not a republic. We're not a constitutional republic. We're run by the technocracy. And the solution they're going to offer is more technocracy. There's going to be some sort of a scam that goes on some scheme maybe they're going to tell you there's going to be an iphone app that you're going to be able to vote on things and don't worry the good scientists and engineers and technologists and businessmen are going to manage this and we're going to get this country back on track we're going to put the power into the hands of the people and you're going to be able to do that by voting through an app folks when if these people were serious and feel was really anti-globalist and was a nationalist, then he would be returning back to our founding and he would be advocating for breaking the country back up and returning power to local governments. All right, now, what I want to do quickly here, for those of you who are just starting to tune into the Dustin Gold Standard, and the show's been growing and I see more and more people are now listening. Uh, And I know many people, I I believe, based on the numbers, are going back trying to catch up and listen to all the podcasts and stuff. So if you haven't listened to the Peter Thiel series, I believe they're all labeled. So you should be able to look through episodes 1 through 74 and find the Peter Thiel episodes. And then we've been covering him again the last few episodes. But I'm just going to remind everyone of who Peter Thiel is And there's a reason for this. It's because obviously we're talking about what he's doing inside of the political arena right now and how he has, uh, and I believe is responsible for completely destroying and dismantling any last vestiges of a conservative movement in this country um, and helping with the rise of the dark enlightenment and the new right, which is anything but Uh, anything on the right so let me just weave in a little bit here to paint this picture of peter thiel because i have more stuff that i've dug up since we did those shows just so you know when he calls himself a conservative or a libertarian he is not we've made that case here i think we've proven it conservatism could be broken into social conservatism and fiscal conservatism peter thiel is a transhumanist He funds singularity, the merger of man and machine. So you cannot be a socially conservative person if you are about 
the engineering of humanity out of existence. So cross off social conservative and then fiscal conservative. He is a major government contractor. All of his companies pretty much uh, take money from the United States government or partnered with the government. Therefore, he is not about a small government. Therefore, he is not a fiscal conservative. And as far as being a libertarian about freedom and liberty, okay, this guy is embedded in the military industrial complex. His companies are. Uh, embedded inside of the IRS to chase people down and destroy them. You know, the the traditional libertarians wanted to end the IRS. So he cannot be a libertarian. So what is Peter Thiel, folks? He is a technocrat. He is a transhumanist. He is an oligarch. He is a government contractor. He is a partner of the government. He is now a political power broker. He is an investor. Uh, He is a government welfare queen. All right. So that's who Peter Thiel is, folks. Uh, And he's got a husband. I don't know. We'll just throw that in there because he wants it to be known. And so that's who Peter Thiel is. So he's not a conservative. He's not a libertarian in any way whatsoever. He is a technocratic transhumanist. When I get back, I'm going to spend a few minutes just laying this out for you. I'm just not going to go into depth like we've done in the past. I'm just going to give you a few major companies he's involved in so you understand if you just tuned into the show who he is before we get back to finishing up this curtis yarvin piece a gentleman that peter thiel has funded and who he listens to the man who is coming up with the actual working plan for overthrowing the constitutional republic and installing a techno king ladies and gentlemen i am dustin gold with the dustin gold standard right here on pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Join the discussion at Payne.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. Folks, come over here and join us. It is worth the investment. I know times are tough, but between what we are covering here, ladies and gentlemen, in the ad-free video version of this podcast and what Mike Moore is doing at the Thomas Paine podcast, Uh, And if you have the ability to join the hot wire, Mike's highest level of intelligence, trust me, it is worth it. And you're getting access to a Facebook-like website and app where you can communicate with all the other members of pain.tv slash gold who are over there sharing intelligence and information, uh, people using some of this stuff for investment opportunities. There's a gentleman named Jim who's been on the hot wire. He's part of the community who has been in finance for, I think, 40 years. He's going to be coming on the show November 4th. So you will get your money's worth, folks. You will get your money's worth for like, I think it's $8.50. I don't know where Mike came up with this, but it's $8.58 a month. I told him to just raise it to 10 
because um, it's 858 is just so strange <laughs> i'm like keep keep it grandfathered in for everyone who already joined at the eight dollars and 58 cents but you know raise the public side to 10 or 12 dollars or something like that 858 I, I don't know i don't run the company but i know how much it costs to stream the video behind there and run the platform and i'm like geez man i mean we got to make a profit. We got to put food on the table here. But uh, feel free to do that. And then also, there's been about five or six people in the last day that left a five star review and a comment over at Apple Podcasts. So please do that if you have uh, the time. Just pause for like one second and go boom, five star, done. That's it, folks. All right. Let me just show you. I never mentioned this company before. On the Dust and Gold Standard, it's something I've been looking into more companies in Peter Thiel's portfolio. This is over at thehustle.co, and this is Expanse, uh, E-X-P-A-N-S-E, which is built on military money and venture capital raises $70 million. A cybersecurity startup called Expanse raised $70 million from venture capitalists shortly after scoring a $37 million contract from the Department of Defense. This is from April 2019. It says Expanse, a cybersecurity startup that indexes IP addresses, raised $70 million from private investors to help governments and large corporations monitor devices across the internet and buffer the businesses from bad guys right from bad guys it says cybersecurity is so hot right now the industry is expected to hit 300 billion dollars by 2024 with many firms branching out from large tech companies but expanse traces back to a less common origin from the cia to cvs it says expanse founder Tim Junio worked for the CIA and the Secretary of Defense before meeting co-founder Matt Craning at DARPA, the United States Defense Agency that incubates technology projects like the friggin' Internet, for example. Folks, come on here. So you've got the uh, founder comes out of the CIA and the uh, Secretary of Defense worked for both of them. And then he meets his co-founder over at DARPA, folks. So we know DARPA's the brain initiative. Oh, my God. Focused on all the transhumanist stuff. You've got this Tim Junio, worked for the CIA and Secretary of Defense. Goes on to say, when the company, which was originally called uh, Quadium, Q-A-D-I-U-M, initially launched. It was basically an independent cybersecurity research lab funded by millions of dollars worth of DARPA grants. So the company is DARPA. Started with DARPA money, folks. So it was a DARPA company. Now with the two founders coming out of DARPA and the CIA. Jesus. But by 2017, the military R&D lab was attracting in, uh, interest from dozens of private Fortune 100 giants like CVS. You know what that means? Time for a rebrand. Enter Expanse. So it goes from Quadium to Expanse. 
And uh, just to let you know here, like Palantir, Peter Thiel's big data analytics company, and we've gone into depth on Palantir, all right? Palantir was started with CIA money via the venture firm InQtel. It was originally purported to be created for the purpose of tracking down terrorists through their financial transactions. But now it's embedded inside of the IRS and it's being used to track you down via your financial transactions. That all started in 2018 with a $100 million contract under the Trump administration. But Palantir is in basically every government agency. That's Peter Thiel's. Peter Thiel is Palantir. All right. Palantir, named after a stone in uh, Lord of the Rings, folks. It says, Expanse is one of a growing number of private startups that power America's most important government agencies and its biggest businesses. Thiel's Founders Fund is a major investor in Expanse. Oh, look at that, folks. Look at that. So there you go. Peter Thiel behind Expanse, whose CEO... Uh, or two founders come out of uh, DARPA and the CIA. It started with DARPA money. Peter Thiel is a major investor in Expanse. So there's Peter Thiel, Mr. Libertarian. Mr. Libertarian, Freedom and Liberty, involved with another giant government contractor, this time started with DARPA money. It says Expanse's private clients include Thiel-founded PayPal, Pharma Behemoth uh, Allergen, and legal giant Oric Expanse also has contracts with the Department of Defense, the Army, and the Navy. Just last year, Expanse won a $37 million contract for the Department of Defense to build out technology for the U.S. Navy space and naval warfare systems. All right, so there's Expanse. Just put another giant government-funded, government-contractor, military-industrial complex, intelligence community uh, company inside of peter thiel's portfolio oh i just lost this folks um i'm over at forbes and they want me to sign up which i'm not going to do but these uh there's another company i was going to bring up for you that has to do with the internet of things and this is a darpa darling company that peter thiel is involved in as well ladies and gentlemen another one that we have not talked about on this show so this is another darpa darling that peter thiel's involved with i'll see if i can get another source and pull that up when we go to the break but just for those of you out there who are just getting involved with the dust and gold standard in case you don't understand who Peter Thiel is or why we're spending time talking about him. You say, people told me that you talk about the Frankenstein doctors and all the military mad scientists that are building these transhumanist experiments. Well, Peter Thiel is helping bring this stuff into the mainstream, and that's why it's important that we talk about him. So we've covered this on the show before, but just so you know, just a short little dossier here on old Peter, This is from CNBC, and this goes back to uh, July 2021. We've covered the Elon Musk Neuralink brain chip extensively, so I'm not going to get into that. But this was back when uh, uh, Elon Musk raised $205 million 
for Neuralink. This is the brain chip that they're going to drill into the back of your head and uh, put a hundred or put a thousand wires down into your brain with one thousand twenty-four electrodes on each one. Okay, well. During this uh, $205 million raise, investors included Google Ventures, uh, Google, highly connected to the CIA, Peter Thiel's Founders Fund, and OpenAI. And so there you go. Peter Thiel was involved with this. So the man who is somehow purporting to be this conservative libertarian who tries to pretend that he's against the idea of a technocracy at least he likes to try to make you believe that that silicon valley is in charge of everything and that's a horrible thing even though he's one of the most powerful players in silicon valley and is the one doing all this he's invested in putting a brain chip in the back of your head and just in case elon musk Neuralink brain chip does not uh, rise or is not successful don't worry peter has hedged his bets So if you go over to CNBC.com, you'll find this article, Peter Thiel is backing a rival to Elon Musk's brain implant company. The early Facebook investor, Peter Thiel, has backed the firm called BlackRock Neurotech in a $10 million financing round. Okay, so Peter Thiel has invested in two brain chip companies, and I'm working on some research. I think he may be involved with a third one. So Mr. Libertarian here, uh, who wants to put a chip into the back of your head and suck out the data and upload it to their cloud. All right, yeah, Mr. Conservative Libertarian. Uh, Someone who Donald Trump was saying that Blake Masters, U.S. Senate candidate, should get on the phone, get Peter on the phone, tell him to give you money. He needs to give you money, more money. Peter's a good guy. Have him do it. Have him do it. All right, folks, just in case you're not completely convinced here, if Palantir isn't enough, Expanse isn't enough, Neuralink isn't enough, and BlackRock is not enough, you have Peter Thiel involved with his company called Ambrosia, the startup harvesting the blood of the young. All right, this is part of his quest for immortality. This is over at theguardian.com, but you can find this anywhere, folks. Just Google Peter Thiel Ambrosia. Ambrosia is the Greek term uh, for the concoction that the gods drank for immortality. Well, in Peter Thiel's world, it is the company he has focused on taking blood from young people and injecting it in old people with the hopes of working towards immortality. Yes, I am serious about this, folks. Now, over here, I just happened to pull this up. This goes back to 2006. And as I showed here on this show, going back to 2006, Peter Thiel was involved with helping the Singularity Institute. He was giving money to them. Singularity is the merger of man and machine, a term popularized by Ray Kurzweil, the chief engineer at Google, who has been working towards merging man with machine and uploading his consciousness for quite some time. We covered that in depth, I think, episodes one through three here at the Dust and Gold Standard. But this is over at Alcor.org. For those of you that don't know what Alcor is, Alcor is a company that helps these uh, guys freeze their bodies. Yes, cryogenics, freezing their bodies so that they can bring them back to life later on. Well, Peter Thiel is heavily involved with Alcor. This is a little article there from 2006 where Thiel pledged $3.5 million to anti-aging research 
under the auspices of the Methuselah Foundation, which is also involved with this transhumanist life extension, folks. So you have Peter Thiel, the government contractor, the government leech into transhumanism, helping the government build and manage its prison planet technocracy but don't worry he's a conservative libertarian who donald trump has on speed dial ladies and gentlemen we'll be right back as i speed through this break i am dustin gold with the dustin gold standard right here on pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the dustin gold standard on pain.tv join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.TV. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to Ping.TV slash Gold. Thank you, folks, for joining us on this Friday evening, Saturday morning, whatever it may be out there for you. We really do appreciate you listening to the show. Please share it with people, folks. I try to make it entertaining, but sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, sometimes I'm just in a sour mood when I'm reading this and seeing how quickly these people are advancing, these monsters. And so I try to make it entertaining. I try to do this all in layman's terms, as you know. I pride myself on using open source public information. And we are using their words, their white papers, their articles, their lectures, their conferences, their speeches, their companies, their investments, their connections to the government to show you what it is they're building. And then that way, this stuff cannot be refuted. All you can say is, well, they're lying, okay? I don't take this stuff from InfoWars, InfoWars.com. I don't take my stuff from there. I really don't use other podcasters' work. I use the work that comes from these articles where there are a lot of quotes from these individual people. I explained to you yesterday uh, sometimes why I will use articles from the supposed left, why I use articles from the supposed right. 95% of the information you're going to find in those articles is accurate. It's just the misdirection. They try to drive you in different directions. So the left will write an article talking about Peter Thiel being super dangerous, but then they'll tell their audience that he's a conservative or a libertarian when that is not true. And the right will do similar things as well, folks. So just look at as much information as you can get and then try to be aware of the misdirection and just pull the information you need out of it. So you have Peter Thiel involved with all that stuff, right? He's a government contractor. He has companies started with government money. He gets money from the governments. He's in Silicon Valley. He's invested in a lot of businesses. He's involved with singularity. He's involved with life extension. He's involved with transhumanism. He's involved with uh, technocracy, and he's involved with pushing the uh, lab-grown psychedelic mushroom stuff that we spent several episodes covering. He's big into the psychedelics. And then I will just tell you this before we move on to finishing up Curtis Yarvin. When General Michael Flynn, all right, and I generally try not to talk about this stuff publicly, but whatever. When General Michael Flynn 
got involved with the uh, Trump campaign, and I could do several stories, uh, several episodes on this, what he was involved with and doing at the time, but I don't know if it's all that important right now. But Flynn comes in to the Trump campaign and then eventually into the White House. Flynn was a huge supporter of Peter Thiel and Palantir. So Michael Flynn, and and this is on the record going all the way back to 2015-16, was a huge fan of uh, Palantir, uh, was working to get Palantir more government contracts. Well, now you see Michael Flynn coming out through this new movement. Uh, Marie Albanese follows this stuff more than I do. And he's been popping up. People send me some clips. And he looks like he's talking out against transhumanism and turning people into robots. I mean, Michael Flynn was uh, arguably at one time what the top three most powerful intelligence officers in the country. So probably really like the entire world. And yet what? He can't do a profile on Peter Thiel with publicly sourced information like we have done here. He doesn't know that someone like Peter Thiel is involved with transhumanism and helping to build a technocracy. And so Michael Flynn now looks like he's speaking out against transhumanism, but he doesn't name Peter Thiel. Give me a break, folks. It's a flim-flam operation. These guys are going to start talking about technocracy and transhumanism because people like myself and you and other independent podcasters out there are starting to talk about this the last couple of years. And so now these guys are going to come in and talk about it and then try to misdirect people. Or they're not going to tell the full story. There's going to be certain uh, fall men inside there, probably like a Ray Kurzweil. And they'll just say, look at this kook, he's talking about it. But at the end of the day, you have Musk behind it, you have Peter Thiel behind it. I mean, and they are puppets of someone else. But they're all behind it, including our government, Department of Defense, DARPA, the Brain Initiative. The CIA, all these groups that Michael Flynn worked for and was affiliated with. So when you see that stuff, you want to look out for the misdirection or try to understand why he's not telling you the full story. So he was really big there with Palantir and with Peter Thiel. And now looks like he's talking out against transhumanism, but he's not going to mention Thiel's name. The other one who was a big supporter of Peter Thiel was also a guy named Steve Bannon. All right, you know who Steve Bannon is. And so Steve Bannon is starting to talk about transhumanism and technocracy in a way on his show, on The War Room. And he uses the reporter Joe Allen, who I tried to get on this show. And I'm not saying this because he never told me that he wouldn't come on the show. He just, he kind of started ignoring me. And I think it's because when I've tweeted at him, about what he knows about Peter Thiel, he kind of went silent. So now you have Steve Bannon, who was uh, tied into Michael Flynn. Steve Bannon, who was a big proponent of Peter Thiel, now talking about transhumanism, but they're not bringing Peter Thiel into the conversation. Nor are they admitting that Steve Bannon himself allies with this Thiel-backed Curtis Yarvin, who loves Lenin when... Bannon called himself a Leninist and talked about tearing down the entire system on multiple occasions. All right, but Bannon, I don't know. It doesn't seem like he ever talks about tearing it down to bring back a constitutional republic. No, I don't see him doing that. And so Bannon, if we go deeper into him and his background, which we're not going to do 
tonight, folks, because it is a complicated web. But Bannon, who I always believed was some sort of a spook, he came onto my radar years ago when Andrew Breitbart of Breitbart News died mysteriously, and then Steve Bannon took over. And I started to look into him and saw that he was involved with uh, Biosphere 2. He was involved in video gaming, uh, basically early stages like Lars Butler of the Artificial Intelligence Foundation on video gaming, on uh, selling goods inside the games, basically the first iteration of what is going to become this uh, metaverse. So it, it, it is quite interesting folks that you have now bannon and his acolytes talking about transhumanism and michael flynn but they're not talking about uh peter thiel and peter thiel really is one of the driving forces behind this stuff folks i know that you know that because you've been listening uh to this show and i know uh other people out there are doing a great job of trying to expose this stuff but if you know anyone else who has um, been talking about Peter Thiel in depth, please let me know. Make me aware of that gold at pain.tv or reach out at the uh, pain.tv slash gold uh, website. My handle on there is at gold and then on all the social media at Dustin Gold Show. Let me know because I'd love to get them on as a guest. There's a lot of stuff about Peter Thiel that Marie Albanese, co-host of the Thomas Paine podcast on Fridays, knows about. And so I really, really want to get her on to uh, discuss this further with me. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Now, what we're going to do here is I want to wrap up on uh, Curtis Yarvin. But I first am going to bring this story in now it's very long and i'm not going to review the entire thing but this is important as we further unmask peter thiel and this is at vanity fear fair and this uh, vanityfair.com article by james pogue april 20th 2022 and it says inside the new right where peter thiel is placing his biggest bets they're not maga they're not QAnon. Curtis Yarvin and the rising right are crafting a different strain of conservative politics. All right. So there's the misdirection right there. Okay. One, they're not MAGA. Now, what is MAGA? Nobody even knows anymore. They're not QAnon. Okay. We know what QAnon is. And then Curtis Yarvin and the rising right are crafting a different strain of conservative politics. You know what that different strain of conservative politics is? It's called not conservative politics, right? That's the strain. Uh, Calling for a techno king to rise and abolish state and local governments and concentrate local police under federal authority has nothing to do with uh, conservatism. But I want to read this because there's a lot of insights hidden in this article. And then uh, what I'm going to do probably is I'll spend one more episode wrapping up uh, this new information on Peter Thiel and the new right. And then we're going to move back over to uh, transhumanism and technocracy and then back to James Giordano. We still have to finish up 
that uh, lecture he gave at West Point Military Academy. So I also had promised you folks that I was going to cut a couple of pieces out of the James Giordano uh, show that we did and the Dr. Charles Morgan III show we did, uh, where Morgan is talking about injecting folks with a deadly stem cell. And then Giordano is talking about using infected, genetically modified insects to spread around the country, carry disease, couple that with psychological warfare and shut down the country. Both of those lectures were in 2018, so I'm going to cut those pieces, record a new introduction and release that just as a little half hour to one hour, however long it takes, so you can share that with your friends and family because some new information has come out. And people have been uh, throwing stuff at me asking about what I thought it meant. It had to do with uh, this this sort of theory that's out there that maybe they're going to fake a dirty bomb and they're going to use that as a chance to then trigger to kill everyone who had been jabbed and or boosted or whatever, certain people that were. And so I said, well, I don't know. If you listen to Charles Morgan III and Dr. James Giordano in 2018 in front of the West Point Military Academy, it sure as hell seems like they have the technology to pull that off to basically murder a bunch of people on command. Is that what they're doing? I don't know. But I will cut those clips, create a new introduction, and I will put that out for you because people have asked me to do that so hopefully i will have time over the weekend i'm not 100 percent sure the baby could come any day now the due date was today so i might end up in a situation where i don't work for a couple of days but uh if that happens i'll record 10 minutes i'll put that out and just let you guys know that i'm booking off for a couple of days all right folks i'll be right back we're going to get into this vanity fair article it's very important you need to learn about this new right so you don't get sucked in to this nonsense, uh, this fraud, this scam, this scheme, this grift, and this push for a techno-fascist king. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold of the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. Listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on Pain.tv slash gold. Alright, folks, sorry about this. I gotta pull this up for you real quick before we do the Vanity Fair article. Because I, I threw the term in there. And uh, I want you to understand it because I don't want to just throw things in without explaining them. But uh, let's just look at this concept here. I've been reading a lot about this stuff and breaking technocracy and transhumanism and everything into the different factions, trying to understand the history of each for a series of shows I'm going to do in the coming weeks. But I'll just tell you. So there's this one theory, which is technocratic populism, which is very telling because uh, as we're dissecting all of this, how does it play in? Well, what was coming out of the rise of the uh, Trumpism or uh, the new right as we see it shaping into? And that was the idea of populism. That's what Steve Bannon was pushing as well, populism. And I always said populism is very dangerous. Why aren't we restoring ourselves to a constitutional republic? 
I guess we're giving up on that idea. We're moving into something else. So there's something called technocratic populism which is a combination of technocracy and populism that connects voters to leaders via expertise and is output-oriented. So you know what technocracy is, right? It is control of the entire system by the scientists, engineers, and technologists. Then you take this idea of populism, which is sort of like a true democracy in which the people will vote for everything. And then you hear Curtis Yarvin, Peter Thiel's boy, talking about Trump having an app that he can direct people and everything else. So this is going to be the beginning of it. And they're going to push this idea of populism, that it's for the people. Uh, can only work in such a large country with so many people or in the world population if they do it as a world government uh, through a technocracy. So the scientists and the engineers will answer to the will of the people via this populist app, this voting system. All right. So it goes on to say technocratic populism offers solutions beyond the right-left division of politics, which are introduced by technocrats and benefit the ordinary people, right? So go all the way back to 1919. That's what the technocrats were talking about, that the scientists and the engineers were the good guys, and they would enact the will of the people. All right, no different, no different. It goes on to say examples of politicians in Western Europe who deploy technocratic populism are Giuseppe Conte and Emmanuel Macron, while, sorry, Ciudadanos, uh, Corbynism, uh, Padernos, and M5S are examples for analogous political movements. Now, techno-populism in sense of technocratic populism is sometimes termed techno-fascism, which is what I just used before the break, where political rights are only grant are only gained by technical expertise, right? So this would eventually be some sort of a social score system. How many STEM classes did you take? All right, you move up the ladder. It goes on to say, techno-fascism is a concept introduced by Janice Mimura to describe an author, author, uh, author oh, Jesus, folks, I'm sorry. Approaching the weekend, I think I've done 30 shows with no days in between, and I apologize for that, folks. To describe authoritarian rule executed by technocrats, right? But what you're going to see now is uh, I would reshape techno-fascism, is that it's authoritarian rule executed by the technocrats, the scientists, the engineers, the technologists, and the business leaders in charge of those so-called private sector companies. But then there will be this figurehead, this techno-king, which is what uh, Curtis Yarvin, funded by Peter Thiel, is talking about folks all right so now you understand it's going to be this merger uh, the, the illusion of populism to drive us into the technocracy and then for those that still want a monarch figure a king they'll have this techno-fascist uh, monarch right the head of this technocracy who will answer to the will of the people you see it's it all of it is shaping up folks it's all making sense to me um how they're actually going to pull this off. All right, let's go to this Vanity Fair article. Again, it's very lengthy. I'll probably skip around, but there are a lot of nuggets in here that we want to pull out and add to our file, folks. 
It says, it was Halloween in Orlando, and we had piled into a car to make a short trip from the Hilton to an after-party down the road to wind up the first night of the latest edition of a gathering called the National Conservatism Conference. Now, I showed you a video of Peter Thiel a while ago. We replayed a clip from it the other day where he was speaking at the National Conservatism Conference, okay? And that is when he talked about having a ragtag movement. And I had said the first time I watched it, as it was a conference put on by the Edmund Burke Society, that how the hell did conservatism start to become theism, right? It says, for at least many of the young people, the actual business of conference going seemed to be beside the point. A gesture at how we use the conduct politics back before life in America spun out of control. There were jokes, or maybe they were serious questions about whether one of the guys tagging along with us was a Fed, was an agent of the government, okay? I surreptitiously made a few searches of the name he'd given me and was surprised when I couldn't find a single plausible hit, though that could have been because he was a hyper-secret crypto type. There were some of those floating around, not that anyone cared. These were people who were used to guarding their words, okay? So, um... Sooner or later, Maria Albanese, co-host of the Thomas Paine podcast, will come on here, and one of the things I'm marking it in my Maria file that we will ask her about is a gentleman named Cass Sustine, and he had uh, worked for the Obama administration, and he had talked about embedding all of these feds inside of all the conspiracy theory movements. So we'll talk to her about that. It says, quote, don't F me up here, end quote. I'm not going to say it because then I have to put this show on explicit and it reaches less people. But it says, don't F me, uh, don't F me here. A dark-haired woman named Amanda Milius said to me as she somewhat in, uh, imperiously dealt with a guy at the door who was skeptical about letting a reporter into the party. Quote, and say we're all in here sacrificing kids to Moloch. We're just the last normal people hanging out at the end of the world, end quote. I had met Milius outside the Hilton when I asked for a cigarette, and she began to chaperone me around, telling people who eyed my press pass that I was there to profile her as an up-and-coming female director who, she said, had attracted more Amazon streams than any woman ever with her first documentary, a counter-narrative about Russiagate. Quote, Annie Leibovitz is still scheduling the photo shoot, end quote, she kept saying. In this world, almost every word is layered in so much irony that you can never be sure what to take seriously or not. Perhaps a um, semi-conscious defense mechanism for people convinced that almost everyone is out to get them. Now, do I believe everyone is out to get me? No. Do I believe the technocracy is rising? Yes. <laughs> 
quote, OF, end quote, she said, as we walked into a small ballroom where the party was already underway. The room was pitifully quiet, lit in strip club red, and the sparse crowd was almost entirely male, with a cash bar off in the corner that seemed unable to produce drinks fast enough to buoy the mood. Quote, we have a thing we say, end quote, she said. Quote, this is what the people at the Washington Post think we're doing. Well, this is exactly what the people at the Washington Post think we're doing, end quote. A portly guy running from Congress in Georgia made his way to the front of the room to give a speech heavy on MAGA buzzwords and florid expressions of fealty to Donald Trump. Quote, this is sad, end quote, Milius said. No one cheered or even seemed interested. <laughs> But this was not Trump world. Even if many of the people in the room saw Trump as a useful tool, maybe a techno king, ladies and gentlemen, it goes on to say, and these parties aren't always so lame. NatCon, as this conference is known, has grown into a big tent gathering for a whole range of people who want to push the American right in a more economically populist, culturally conservative assertively nationalist direction right so economically populist culturally conservative assertively nationalist direction now that would be really nice if it were true it would be really nice if it were true but when you look at the folks that go to these things i don't understand uh they would probably have to take off their nipple tassels if they wanted to start with cultural conservatism all right economically populist and assertively nationalist right meanwhile they are funded by peter thiel who wants to drive them into a techno populist fascist transhumanist technocracy hmm. the people do their research uh, before they get on board with these movements i don't think so folks it draws everyone from israel hawks to fusty uh, paleocon professors to mainstream figures like ted cruz and marco rubio but most of the media attention that the congress attracts focuses on a cohort of rosy young blazer wearing activists and writers a crop of people representing the american rights quote radical young intellectuals end quote as a headline in the new republic would soon put it or conservatism's quote terrifying future end quote, as David Brooks called them in the Atlantic. But the people these pieces describe who made up most of the party goers around me were only the most buttoned up seam of a much larger and stranger political ferment, burbling up mainly within America's young and well-educated elite, part of an intramedia class info war. The podcasters, Broish anonymous Twitter posters, online philosophers, artists, and amorphous uh, scene setters, uh, scenesters in this world are variously known as dissidents, neo reactionaries, post leftists, or the heterodox fringe, though they're all often grouped for convenience under the heading of America's new right. 
They have a widely diverse set of political backgrounds, with influences ranging from 17th century Jacobite royalists to Marxist cultural critics to so-called reactionary feminists to the Unabomber Ted Kaczynski, whom they sometimes refer to with semi-ironic affection as Uncle Ted. That's what I call him, Uncle Ted, ladies and gentlemen. But again, if you're for Uncle Ted, I don't know why you're hanging out with Peter Thiel, to be honest. It goes to show how crippled the mind is, how warped and mind-controlled these folks are, these youngsters are today. Because you would not be spouting off the writings of Ted Kaczynski, Industrial Society and its Future, if you were hanging out with Peter Thiel, one of America's greatest and probably the most dangerous technocrat today. It goes on to say, what, uh, which is to say that this new right is not a part of conservative movement, as most people in America would understand it. It's better described as a tangled set of frameworks for critiquing the systems of power and propaganda that most people reading this probably think of as, quote, the way the world is, end quote. At one point, shapes all of it. It is a project to overthrow the thrust of progress, at least such as liberals understand the word. Ladies and gentlemen, this is why it's important to read things that come out of the left. Because so far, this gentleman's observation and his interpretation of what he is witnessing is correct. Now, I want to continue to go a little deeper into this to see what he recognizes, to see what he ends up pulling out and analyzing from this event. Is he going to talk about Peter Thiel as a government contractor, as an oligarch, as a transhumanist, as a technocrat, and then ask the question why this new right that supposedly uh, we will see what their ideology is, what it comes out of in this article, because he interviews a lot of people. But if they in any way truly believe in economic populism, uh, social conservatism, and nationalism, they would not be under the spell of Peter Thiel. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Join the discussion at Payne.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. I am Dustin Gold, and this is the Dustin Gold Standard. All right, folks, let's get back to this Vanity Fair article. This is important because many of you probably don't really understand this unless you're hanging out. In these type of uh, situations, at these conferences, these events, these parties that are going on all over the place. Now, listen, I'm 41 now. I waited a long time to have a kid, and my baby is on the way. But uh, the old Dustin of 10 years ago, I would have been going to these events. 
uh, with my ear to the ground doing some undercover investigative work. I want to see it. But I, I told you, I did get to see a little of this back in 2016, at 15, 16, 17, because I went to a lot of Trump rallies. And I went to two of the inaugural balls under the deplorable banner. And so I got to see the very beginning of this movement, folks. And frankly, to be honest with you, I believe it is a... It is an intended orchestrated chaos that is actually happening under the banner of the right or the new right with an intended purpose to usher in order, which will come in the form of technocracy under probably technopopulism combined with technofascism. That's probably the direction that this is headed, to be honest with you. Uh, And eventually we'll be able to figure this out. Once we see more of the various sort of uh, iterations of the new right and the different echo chambers within it, we'll start to be able to connect the dots, um, sort of trace these breadcrumbs, and we'll be able to start to put it together and we'll understand how they're being manipulated and for what purpose. All right, this goes on to say this worldview, these worldviews run counter to the American narrative of the last century, that economic growth and technological innovation are inevitably leading us toward a better future. It's a position that has become quietly edgy and cool in new uh, tech outposts like Miami and Austin and in downtown Manhattan where new rightish politics are in and signifiers like a Demore cross necklace have become markers of a transgressive chic. No one is leading the movement, but it does have key figures. And then, obviously, we know the money that's behind this movement, so that would be the leader. But it's talking about how they don't adopt this ideology that technological innovation will inevitably lead us toward a better future. But at the same time, talking about these people working in these uh, tech startups, right? And they're following Peter Thiel. So, I mean, these people, are they that blind that they don't even realize that they are helping build this technocracy? They are doing the exact opposite of someone like Uncle Ted Kaczynski, as they call him, uh, was advocating for, which was the fact that technology and humanity cannot coexist because eventually technology will crush and destroy humanity. I don't know. I mean, is the government pot eating these people's brains out? Are the psychedelics being handed out already? I mean, what is happening here, folks? This doesn't make any sense. So he's talking about the leaders here. And then he says, one of the leaders is Peter Thiel, the billionaire who helped fund NatCon and who had just given the conference's opening address. And I went and did some research, folks, and Peter Thiel did help fund NatCon. And when I showed you the video of him speaking there, I don't know what it was, maybe a month ago, I said, how does the Edmund Burke Society, Edmund Burke, with the quote, uh, for evil to thrive, good men do nothing. And I said, well, if they're supposedly good men, they're allowing evil into the camp. Well, now we know that Peter Thiel once again dangles his checkbook 
and uh, gets involved with another thing. So Theo has also funded things like the Edge Lordy and Post Left Inflected New People Cinema Film Festival, which ended its week-long run of parties and screenings in Manhattan just a few days before NatCon began. He's long been a big donor to the Republican political candidates, but in recent years, Thiel has grown increasingly involved in the politics of this younger and weirder world, becoming something like a nefarious godfather or a genial rich uncle, depending on your perspective. Podcasters and art world figures now joke about their hope to get so-called Thiel bucks His most significant recent outlays have been to two young Senate candidates who are deeply enmeshed in this scene and influenced by its intellectual currents. Hillbilly uh, elegy author J.D. Vance running for the Republican nomination in Ohio and Blake Masters in Arizona. So there you go, old daddy warbucks there, walking around, tossing, uh, tossing his money out like the Joker in the Michael Keaton Batman film while Jack Nicholson the Joker is up on the float throwing money all over the place. That's Peter Thiel now. So Thiel is behind this new right movement, folks. Make no mistake. You know, I didn't know it at the time, but the deplorable I went to on January 19th, my birthday, that featured, you know, Sheriff David Clark, Mike Cernovich, Jack Posobiec, all these other folks. Well... Who was behind that? Peter Thiel. All right, it goes on to say Thiel has given more than $10 million to super PACs supporting the men's candidacies. And both are personally close to him. That was all the way back in April, folks. He's put over $15 million into Blake Masters' campaign alone. It says Vance is a former employee of Thiel's. Uh, Mithril Capital, and Masters, until recently, the COO of Thiel's so-called family office, also ran the Thiel Foundation, which has become increasingly intertwined with this new right ecosystem. All right? See, the reason why we had to cover all the Blake Masters stuff, and I had to teach you about all of the money that Thiel has flying around before we get to articles like this, otherwise you wouldn't really understand this stuff. It says, these three Thiel Vance masters are all friends with Curtis Yarvin, a 48-year-old ex-programmer and blogger who has done more than anyone to articulate the world historical critique and popularize the key terms of the new right. You often hear people in this world, again, under many layers of irony, call him things like Lord Yarvin or our prophet, okay? And as I told you, Maria Albanese, co-host of the Thomas Paine podcast on Fridays, calls Yarvin the Yuval Noah Harari of the Dark Enlightenment. Okay, or we'll call him the King Philosopher of the New Right. And as you see, some in the New Right call him the Prophet, as some on the, uh, I wouldn't say the left, but supporters of the Fourth Industrial Revolution uh, call um, you've all know Harari the prophet. Mark Zuckerberg has, Barack Obama has. So I think what you're actually seeing happen here, folks, uh, and this is me now, I'm speaking on the fly. As we're getting a little deeper, sometimes I have to speak about this stuff. I do it right here on the show, and it allows me to connect some of these dots. But I think what you're seeing is you have overall the World Economic Forum, which is basically the Chamber of Commerce between the uh, public-private partnership, bringing together the 
so-called private sector and the so-called public sector. And then you have Yuval Noah Harari sort of speaking. I think he speaks a lot uh, to the left as well. But then you have Peter Thiel on this side that is organizing the right, the new right under this banner, who is going to accept the tenets of the Fourth Industrial Revolution. While Thiel pretends that he's against it, but as you can see by his record, he is a technocrat of the highest order, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, there's no arguing that. He is a government contractor. He is in no way against the government. His fortune is built off of government contracts. His companies, many of them, were started with government money. Do you see this? I hope you understand. I know it seems complicated, but it's not really. It's not really that complicated, folks, which begs the question, why won't Joe Allen, who talks about technocracy and transhumanism on Steve Bannon's show, talk about it? I don't know. Is he one of these guys that gets some of the Thiel bucks? I'm not saying that he does. I'm just asking the question. goes on to say, I was looking around the party for Vance, who hadn't arrived yet, when Milius nudged me and pointed to a table off to our left, quote, Why is it that whenever I see Curtis, he's surrounded by a big table of incels? She asked with apparent fondness. I spotted Yarvin, a slight, bespectacled man man with long, dark hair, drinking a glass of wine with a crowd that included Josh Hammer, the national conservatism-minded young opinion editor of Newsweek, and Michael Anton a Machiavelli scholar and former spokesman for Trump's National Security Council, and a prominent public intellectualizer of the Trump movement. Other luminaries afoot for the conference included dignity author Chris Arnade, who seemed slightly unsure about the whole NatCon thing, and Saurabh Army, the former opinion editor of the New York Post, now a co-founder and editor at the new magazine Compact, whose vision is, according to its mission statement, quote, shaped by our desire for a strong social democratic state that defends community, local and national, familial and religious against a libertine left and a libertarian right, end quote. It is a very of-the-moment project. Yes, I don't know what they're talking about, folks. It goes on, but but as you can see, the running theme here is that the idea of your so-called constitutional republic are out the window. That's gone. So you can consider this time that we're living in to be post-republic, uh, post-constitution. We are in that time now. It's here. It's here. Because... Where are these supposed leaders, these representatives, these people running for public office that are going to somehow bring you a constitutional republic or restore the republic when the left doesn't want any of that? You have the uh, world powers coming out of the World Economic Forum with the Fourth Industrial Revolution, and then you have the right that has been totally co-opted by Peter Thiel and you mix this Trumpism into it, which is all part of this now, which has nothing to do with restoring a constitutional republic. So we are in a post-constitutional country right now, ladies and gentlemen. We are in a post-republic right now. 
and we are moving towards whatever the hell it is, but it seems to me like the defining power uh, is technocracy. That is sort of the defining ideology of the system of government that we are not only moving into, but we are already in the middle of. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll be right back. I'm going to jump into the middle of this break. My name is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. You are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard. And this is pain.tv slash gold. All right, folks. Now, now let me just make myself clear here. I've said it before, but recognizing that the government is completely corrupt, recognizing that political correctness is horrible, recognizing that censorship is terrible, recognizing all of these things is fantastic. Now, you have to have an idea uh like look if you were just weeding out corruption and stomping out this crazy leftism to try to keep the constitutional republic intact is one thing but if you're advocating tearing it down so if you're bernie sanders on the left and he's going yeah yeah i'm a a democratic socialist uh yeah democratic socialist point oh one of the people loved you know that kind of guy well he's telling you what he is now coming out of this new right you're going to start to see again we covered it the other day but there's more depth in this article uh to this that the idea is is to tear it down to install this techno-fascist state and i don't want to sound like a broken record but this is very important because this isn't just some movement of kooks folks peter thiel as you can see He is embedded all over the government. His software, his companies are embedded all over the government. His money is behind Elon Musk, the largest sort of face-forward consumer version of transhumanism. His money is behind all these people. So it's a very powerful movement, and there is nothing countering this. What is countering this movement besides me? Besides you, besides a few other little truly independent podcasts out there, nothing is actually speaking out against this movement. They say Ted Cruz and these guys go to NatCon, controlled by Peter Thiel, and speak in front of these groups of people. So who is actually going to stand up against the technocracy if Peter Thiel is the head of the technocracy throwing all this money out there? And no one on the left is countering this. They're walking on board with it. They walked around and took the jabs and the boosters, ran around saying, trust the science, trust the science. You're not allowed in my house if you don't wear a mask. We love everyone. We love open borders. We love transgenders. We love everything. We love the end of humanity. Save the planet. Climate change. Stop eating meat. Eat 3D printed meat. So the left is totally on board with the fourth industrial revolution and peter thiel is driving this new right movement into the arms of the fourth industrial revolution and the technocracy 
the Fourth Industrial Reich. We make fun of that, right? The Fourth Industrial Reich. But Peter Thiel is backing this movement, talking about actually installing a techno-fascist king. So you see now it's from both sides. It's one movement. Once again, it's the illusion of a right-left paradigm. And there is no one, no one with power, influence, or wealth, me included, that are actually speaking out against this, folks. I mean, I mean, we're speaking out, but we have no power, no influence, or no wealth. So who is actually challenging this? Why even... Seriously, and this is not to blackmail people, but cheering on politicians if they are not talking about this, about the entire transhumanist technocratic movement and the people behind it, not just World Economic Forum, but right here, Peter Thiel, and possibly, possibly Trump. We'll have to see how this shapes up, but... You know, last I checked, he was still out there pushing the vaccine, the beautiful vaccine. It's going to be great. Get the vaccine. It's incredible. It's beautiful. I'm responsible for it. So fantastic. And then you see him telling Blake Masters, call up Peter Thiel, ask him for more money. He'll get on board. You know, so let's see if Trump becomes part of this goes on to say political reporters at least the ones who have bothered to write about yarvin have often dismissed him as a kook with a readership made up of mostly lonely internet weirdos fascists or both but to ignore him is to underestimate how yarvin's ideas or at least ideas in conversation with his have become foundational to a whole political and cultural scene that goes much deeper than anything you'd learn from the panels and speeches at an event like NACCON, or how those ideas are going to shape the future of the American right, whether or not Vance and Masters win their Senate primaries. I introduced myself, and soon Milius and I were outside smoking as Yarvin and I chatted about whether he'd be willing to talk to me on the record. Very interesting, folks. I mean, do you see anyone on the right besides, I, I mean, I would call, I, I lean into traditionalism, but I don't identify as right or left or as Republican or Democrat or as conservative or liberal anymore. I am pro-humanity, folks. I am against this war on humanity. I can see what is coming, uh, and so... I don't want to have to live the next 30, 40 years of my life under this, nor do I want my child to have to live under this, which is why I'm willing to at least speak about it. I mean, maybe, maybe this sparks a movement of people to counter people like Yarvin, to counter the World Economic Forum, but not just for the way that people are doing it. They have to truly understand it. They have to truly understand the power structure and the adoption campaigns being run. And people need to reject Internet of Things and reject the Internet of Body devices and reject this smart technology. If we don't do this, it is a done deal, folks. All right, let's continue. People often struggle with what to make of Thiel's involvement in this ecosystem. Last year, the journalist Max Chafkin published a biography of Thiel titled The Contrarian, in which he described Yarvin as the, quote, house political philosopher, end quote, for a network often called the Thielverse. Now, I went into that short interview 
with Max on the Contrarian yesterday so that you would know what we are talking about today. So if you did not listen to episode 73, I suggest you do, and then you'll have a little understanding of that and that biographer's feelings on Peter Thiel. I also use it as a teaching moment to show you where the left misdirects uh, their readership. But it's important to understand this. The left is going to publish more of this stuff than the right. The issue is that the left writes this for the left, and then they'll label this new right as right or as conservative when that's not what it is. See, if they were talking about the conservative movement has been hijacked by a technocratic transhumanist, then it would be honest. Well, you're not going to see the right say that. You're not going to see the left say that. You're only going to see a few small independent shows like this one here say that because we are sacrificing getting the Theo bucks to try to tell you the truth. It goes on to say the book focuses heavily on Thiel's political maneuverings, describing how he evolved from being a hyper-libertarian to someone who now makes common cause with nationalists and populists. And it explains how Thiel helped both Cruz and Josh Hawley on their paths to the Senate. The Contrarian ends with a dark picture of the billionaire trying to extend his political reach ever more overtly by funding and shepherding the campaigns of Masters and Vance. Quote, Masters and Vance are different from Hawley and Cruz, end quote, Shafkin writes. The former two are extensions of Thiel. Right, they're both, uh, as you know, Masters is basically a, a Thiel protege. But this is not about, I, I mean, trust me, this is not about Thiel starting to put money behind a bunch of candidates and running them to win. I don't think he needs that, folks. He already is embedded inside the government, whether it is Republican or Democrat-controlled, Peter Thiel still gets the government contracts, okay? So he's in the government. He is an extension of the state. Peter Thiel is an extension of the state now commanding this new right movement and handing out all of this money to everybody. It says this is only partly true. It would be just as accurate to say that Thiel has been influenced by the intellectual currents and political critiques of the new right that he's now helping to support. Many of these people are friendly with Thiel or admire him but are by no means beholden to him. And many of them hold views that would seem to make Thiel a tech oligarch currently worth around $8 billion, who recently resigned from Meta, uh, formerly Facebook, board of directors, their natural enemy. See, boom, thank you. Thank you, this author on the left from Vanity Fear, for putting that in there, that these people should look at Thiel not as an enemy, but as the person who wants to commit genocide against humanity it's bigger than a political enemy folks this is bigger than uh old school republican versus old school democrat this is people who want to put a full-fledged technocracy into place while they're partnered with the government already you know the, the, i mean i couldn't i probably couldn't even look in theo's face without spitting on him I mean, I'm serious. I mean, this is serious business we're talking about, folks. This is a war against humanity and a war to enslave whichever ones they are allowed to live. And Thiel's money, his companies, his portfolio, his words tell you that he's 100% on board with it. He would love to be the tech 
techno king if he could. It says, this new right is heavily populated by people with graduate degrees, so there's a lot of debate about who is in it and whether or not it even exists. At one end are the NatCons, post-liberals, and traditionalist figures like Benedict Option, author Rod Dreher, who envision a conservatism reinvigorated by an embrace of localist values, religious identity, and an active role for the state in promoting everything from marriage to environmental conservatism. All right. So he wants localist values, religious identity, but then he wants the state to enforce environmental conservatism. So uh, go hang out with Teddy Roosevelt. I, I mean, seriously, like, so you're calling for one thing and then you want the other. See, these people don't even know what they stand for anymore it goes on to say but there's also a highly online set of substack writers podcasters and anonymous twitter posters quote our true intellectual elite end quote as one podcaster describes them this group encompasses everyone from rich crypto bros and tech executives to back to the landers to disaffected members of the American intellectual class, like up-in-the-air author Walter Kern, whose fulminations against groupthink and techno-authoritarianism have made him an unlikely champion to the dissident right and heterodox fringe. Okay, so this guy, Walter Kern, I'll look him up and see where he is today, says... He is against groupthink and techno-authoritarianism. Well, let's see if it says anything about what he thinks of Peter Thiel, who is obviously all for techno-authoritarianism. But they share the basic worldview, the individualist liberal ideology. Increasingly, bureaucratic governments and big tech are all combining into a world that is one tyrannical, chaotic, and devoid of the systems of value and morality that give human life richness, richness and meaning, as Blake Masters recently put it a, quote, dystopian hell world, end quote. Now, you you would say, folks, you would say, Dustin, it sounds like they're saying that these people are on our side. But you have to ask yourself, how the hell could they be on our side when their movement is backed by the very man who is funding this and helping build it? I'm going to keep going back to that point because we have to drill this home, folks. There is nothing, nothing, related to freedom, liberty, or human autonomy that comes from Peter Thiel. So these people think they're fighting back against this techno-fascism when, in fact, they're there embracing techno-fascism. They're all working for these technology companies. I mean, give me a break. Is the whole world on acid? Is everything now mind-controlled under MKUltra? Because this stuff doesn't make sense to me. Does it make sense to you? I don't know, folks. Think about it over the break. I'll be right back. This is Dust to Gold with the Dust to Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dust and Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on Ping.tv slash gold, folks. I wonder what Commander Moore Mike Moore was thinking. 
he was going to get out of me when he called me up and said, hey, do you want to do a show? And I said, Mike, I don't want to regurgitate everything you're doing. I don't want to be the Sean Hannity to the Rush Limbaugh. I said, I've got a lot of stuff I've been studying over the years on technocratic transhumanism. And I want to build a show around that. And that is what I'm going to focus on for quite a while. And he said, you can go anywhere you want with this. And so you got it, Mike. All right. So I was supposed to be interviewed by Mike today. That's actually going to take place tomorrow. Uh, because our schedules did not align for today. So I'll be interviewing with him tomorrow. We're going to talk a lot about this stuff, and I'm going to get his opinions on it. Uh, I don't know, though, folks. you got to be careful sometimes, because as I said, the technocrats that control the syndication software and stuff that we have to use to put out the podcast are the guys that i'm attacking so i'm pretty much in a very uh weird space right now it's not a sound business decision but i got into this you know because of my personal beliefs and my worldview and then also as an opportunity to hopefully make an income doing what I love to do, which is to inform others and to share the research that I'm doing. So I weighed the risks and I said, well, I can't really talk about this stuff unless I start talking about Peter Thiel and some of the other people we're going to introduce over the next several episodes. I can't do this. I can't be honest with you. I can't tell you the full truth if I'm going to sit here and hide things in order to try to insulate myself. So It is what it is, folks. All right, let's continue with this piece. It says, Kern didn't want to put a label on this movement, describing it as a, quote, fractious family of dissenters, end quote, when I called him at his home in Montana, quote, a somewhat new, loose coalition of people whose major concern is that we not end up in a top-down controlled state, end quote. Well, Peter Thiel, the leader of it, definitely wants you in a controlled state. I'd start by throwing him out. Oh, you can't because he funds the movement. It's fake. It's a fraud. They're channeling these people into a line before they put them all on the cattle car. Goes on to say, he told me he didn't consider himself right wing and found some of the anti-democratic ideas he heard expressed in this fear to be, quote, personally chilling, end quote. But he described it as a zone of experimentation and free expression of a kind that was now closed off in America's liberal mainstream. You see that, folks? I told you. This guy gets it. This guy gets it. I told you. This new right, this circus tent full of the world freaks, they move them from one place to another. What was the walk away campaign run by Brandon Straka all about? What were those people walking away from? And what did they think they were walking into? And we accepted them. Look, if you said to somebody, you're allowed to come in my home, but when you come in my home, you will not curse in front of my children. You will take off your shoes and put on a pair of slippers. You will be polite to my wife. You won't get drunk and you won't expose yourself. All right, and you're welcome into my home. And the person says, look, I'm walking away from all that stuff. I am one of you now. I am part of the gold family, Dustin. So then that person comes walking into my house, 
and they refuse to take off their shoes. They start cursing. They tell my wife to go F herself, and then they pull their Johnson out of their pants. And I'm staring at them, and they say, well, but I'm part of the Gold family. I'm the Gold family, as they walk around doing exactly what they were doing. And so, folks, you moved the quacks, the wackadoodles, out of the so-called liberal leftist movement, out of their mainstream, and you brought them into our tent, but they did not change their ways. They did not accept some sort of conservatism, fiscal conservatism or social conservatism. They are the same thing. They are just wearing the proverbial red MAGA hat. That is it. That is all that happened. And meanwhile, you got pushed out the back door of the tent. And now you're standing out there freezing your ass off. Goes on to say, quote, they seem to want a war. The last thing I want is some kind of definitive ideological war, which leaves out the heterodox, complicated, and almost naively open spirit of American politics, end quote. At the ferment is starting to get noticed. Quote, I think that's a really good sign, end quote. One of the hosts of the Dissident Right podcast, the Fed Post, said recently, discussing how Tucker Carlson had just quoted a tweet from one of their guests, quote, this is the kind of burgeoning sect of thought, and it's causing people who are in positions of larger influence and relative power to actually have to start looking into it, end quote. Okay, folks. I told you, Tucker Carlson has brought this Curtis Yarvin on there. Tucker Carlson has praised uh, Peter Thiel. Uh, he just did that little documentary on Blake Masters promoting Thiel's guy. Tucker Carlson shows up to the game two years late every single time. Talking about the harms of the jabs now. Well, where were you two years ago when Mike Moore was doing it and Maria Albanese was doing it, pal? That just disgusts me. These guys just hijack this stuff as they further drive people into the cattle car to head off on their way to Auschwitz. I mean, this is what is happening, ladies and gentlemen. I'm sorry. I need to lighten the mood, folks. We need to lighten the mood. And it goes on to say, Vance sits somewhere in between these two tendencies. At 37, he's a venture capitalist who is young enough to be exposed to the dissident online currents. But he's also shaped by the most deeply traditionalist thinking of the American right. He is friends with Yarvin, whom he openly cites as a political influence. And with Dreher, who was there when Vance was baptized into the Catholic Church in 2019. I've been writing about militias and right-wing stirrings in the rural West for years, but I didn't really understand how this alchemy worked until I first met him last July. I'd gone back to Ohio to see my uncle, who was dying of cancer. Vance and I grew up around Cincinnati, immersed in a culture of white rural migrants who had come from coal fields and farm towns to look for work in the cities of the Midwest. We had met as a kind of experiment. I was going to be in a town away, and because my uncle was sick, I was thinking a lot about the place and what it meant to me. On a whim, I asked an editor at a conservative magazine if I could write something from the perspective of a skeptical leftist. Vance suggested that we meet at a diner, where my dad had often uh, take me as a kid. He was barely registering in the polls at the time. Vance believes that a well-educated and culturally liberal American elite has greatly benefited from globalization. 
the financialization of our economy, and the growing power of big tech. This has led an Ivy League intellectual and management class, a quasi-aristocracy he calls, quote, the regime, end quote, to adopt a set of economic and cultural interests that directly oppose those of people in places like Middletown, Ohio, where he grew up. Yeah, of course, he's working for Peter Thiel, taking Peter Thiel's money for his campaign and espousing Peter Thiel's beliefs. So he's sitting here, J.D. Vance, complaining about the power of big tech while he's backed by big tech. Does this make any sense to you, folks? I'm going to have to wrap my head with duct tape so it doesn't explode. I mean, seriously, how, how does this make any sense whatsoever? It says, this is a fundamental difference between new right figures like Vance and the Reaganite right-wingers of their parents' generation. To Vance, and he said this, culture war is class warfare. Okay, we understand that, Vance. We understand that culture war is class warfare. But at the same time, I still can't figure out why you're running around uh, kissing the rear of Peter Thiel. Uh, So are you guys just vying for whether someone calls themselves on the right, is able to take away power from the left, and they get to control the technocracy? What is it that we are doing here, gentlemen? Because you are on board with a giant uh, government-funded, government-oligarch, a contractor, Peter Thiel. Seriously, is anyone ever going to ask these people? I would get up there at this conference and I'd say that. What are you, nuts? Tell this guy to take his checkbook and get the hell out of here, folks. You want to tear down this technocratic fascism? Let's start by throwing out our leader, who is a techno-fascist. It goes on to say, Vance recently told an interviewer, quote, I got to be honest with you. I don't really care what happens to Ukraine, end quote. A flick at the fact that he thinks the American-led global order is as much about enriching defense contractors and think tank types as it is about defending America interest. J.D. Vance, your boss, your backer is a defense contractor. What the hell are you talking about? Are these people high on LSD or are they just trying to gaslight us, folks? And make us feel like we're crazy. It goes on, quote, I do care about the fact that in my community right now, the leading cause of death among 18 to 35-year-olds is Mexican fentanyl, end quote. Yeah, how about the government pot and the government psychedelics that your boss is funding, you hypocritical? Oh, my God, this is Making me upset, folks. It goes on to say his criticisms of big tech as, quote, enemies of Western civilization, end quote, often get lost in the run of Republican outrage over Trump being kicked off Twitter and Facebook, though they do go much deeper than this. Is anyone going to ask him about the enemies of Western civilization, big tech, and its partner, its backer, Peter Thiel, who works for the United States government? who is actually an enemy, not just of Western civilization, but an enemy of the people, an enemy of humanity. Ladies and gentlemen, 
the rise of techno-fascism apparently comes through a bumbling group of idiots called the New Right who have no idea what they stand for. They have no uniform policy. I guess you would call this individualism. That's fantastic. Except the problem is these morons are helping move forward techno-fascism. Ladies and gentlemen, we will continue with this tomorrow because this is very important to understand the way the country is moving. As we are sitting home and we aren't out there active like these people are, they are advancing under the leadership of Peter Thiel. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold of the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. Join the discussion at Ping.tv slash gold.